I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Bible, Luke, the fourth chapter, 17 through verse, actually we'll read through verse 21. The Bible says, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, of the year of the Lord's favor. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today, he didn't say this year. <laughs> Y'all will get that in a minute. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You may be seated. This morning, I want to talk about Jubilee when God says it's time. Oh, God. Jubilee when God says it's time. Jubilee. When God says it's time, jubilee is a word we don't often use in our, our culture. We don't use it in our, in our jargon, in our everyday conversation. Uh, but by the end of this lesson, hopefully you'll not only know what this means, but you'll know what you're supposed to do. Lessons and sermons are not for you just to get information, though they need, you need to be educated. But they're to spur us to action, which means that you're here today. You're going to be exposed to the word of God today because God wants you to do something. God wants you to change something. He wants you to alter something. He wants you to make a decision. He wants you to respond to him. Hearing the word and not responding to it has, leaves the word powerless in your life. And you can say the word of God is powerful all day long, but if you don't have within you the inclination to respond to what God is saying, to move on it, to act on it, to react to the word of God, then the word of God, as powerful as it is, produces nothing powerful in your life. This is why, and this accounts for why there are so many powerless church people. People who go to church on an everyday basis, on an every Sunday basis, but yet their lives are evidenced with that, that, that there's no power, no, no power to get up, no power to move, no power to change. Uh, you, you, no power to resist, no power to ascend, no power to elevate, no power to get up when you fall, no power to change, to break bad habits, no power to break change, no power. Why? Because it's not enough to be acquainted with the word, it's not enough to be affiliated with the word, it's not enough to come hear the word, for the word itself says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. We have to react to the word. 
And so by the end of this lesson, there, you will have a decision to make. I don't care how old you are. You, be you the teenager who's just trying to find his or her self-place in the world, and you're making bad decisions, and you're tripping along the way, and you can't see how life is going to be any different from you because you've made some decisions, some bad decisions. Be you the person depressed because things are going on in your life, or maybe it's, it's chemical. Maybe there's a chemical imbalance, and you feel depressed, and you don't even know why you feel down. You just know you, you feel down. And to the the person who is going through financial trouble and you, you're, you're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul then borrowing from Thomas so that you can uh, so you can keep Judas satisfied and all of your, your bills looks, uh, look all discombobulated and your budget is non-existent to the person sitting in here uh, who's struggling with a personal addiction and nobody knows because you veil it and cloak it with, with uh, the niceties of life you're dressed and you're adorned but deep down inside you have an addiction that's rich your life apart so you look outwardly together but intrinsically you're broken and battered and bruised and torn apart whatever you are and wherever you are to even the self-righteous person who can't stop judging others because they always find themselves comparing themselves to people who they don't think are as up to par as they are you know there are some people who will be attracted to you to feel better about themselves not everybody that roll in your camp ain't your fr is your friend. Some people roll with you because the only way to feel better about themselves is to hang with somebody they feel less about. No matter who you are in here, I believe there's a relevant word from the Lord based on this text, but we're going to be educated along the way. This is the time where people are making New Year's resolutions. They have goals in mind. Ah, when 2020 get here, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to go and I'm going to get that stuff that you wrap around your waist that make you lose weight overnight in your waist. I'm going to go on the keto diet. I'm going to go on the Mediterranean diet. I've got goals. I've got dreams. I'm going to go finally start that business I've been thinking about starting. And when the year turns over, I'm going to get my nails done at least two times a month instead of one time a month. When the year turns over, I'm going to put my money in this account, and I'm going to invest this. i got goals. When the year turns around, I ain't taking nothing from nobody. One look at the timeline of Facebook will show you that people have goals. But I'm here to tell you that no matter what your goals are for 2020 or your vision is for 2020 or your aspirations are for 2020, the goals that you have will always be regulated by whatever has you in bondage. See, the problem with New Year's resolutions is we try to start a new year with the same slave master. Whatever has you in bondage Whatever has you afflicted, whatever have, has you obstructed and constricted, whatever thing that is, whatever spirit that is, whatever attitude that is, whatever has you bound is going to regulate your elevation in 2020, which means your goals will only be achieved if whatever has you in bondage says so. So some of us are making plans and goals and this and that and the other, and I can preach about vision 2020, and I can talk about what we're going to do, goals, and, and, and have a vision board and all of that. But I think the first order of business based upon this lesson is for some of us to get free. 
because you're not going to do anything in 2020. You're not going to achieve any goals in 2020. You're not going to reach for any aspirations. Nothing is going to be different if behind you, crossing the threshold of 2019 into 2020 is the attitude, the spirit, the person, the situation, the circumstance, or the predicament that had you in bondage for the last five years. And so this text that we read is actually where we're going to come back to and we're going to understand it. So we started with the text we're going to end with. But this text is precursored by a thing in the Old Testament called Jubilee. So I need you to come with now as we uh, come with me now as we start this exposition expedition to Leviticus 25. I want to show you some things. And when you understand this backdrop it's going to make sense why Jesus is saying what he's saying, okay? But now you got to stay on board. Turn to somebody and say, stay on board. You're not going to get freed today unless you stay on board and follow this. Young people, you can learn this. We have intelligent young people here. You can learn this. You can digest this. You can learn it. You can be familiarized with this. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 25, uh, <laughs> which was really the law, because God had to always save his people out of slavery. You remember Egypt? They were enslaved to Egypt, right? So he had to save them out of slavery. But then he deals with them in the wilderness, and he knew that they would have slaves and that there would be people that would be slaves. See, there's a difference between slavery based on oppression and slavery based on obligation. The worst kind of slavery is slavery based on obligation or self-obligation, meaning there's no slave like the slave that chose to be one. No slave than the, like the slave that chooses, that submits himself to slavery. And we're going to learn some things about what God says. Well, before we read verse 1, and we're going to want the readers to get ready, start with verse 1. Understand that when God created the world on the seventh day, he did what? Rested, right? He rested on the seventh day. Now, this does not mean that he sat down, sat on the porch, drank some Kool-Aid or some lemonade because he was tired. That's not what it talks about. Rested means he ceased. There was a point where there was inactivity when it comes to creation. Then he established what we know as and learned to be the Sabbath day. He blessed the seventh day, and he said, remember the Sabbath, okay? This was not God just making rules. What God was concerned with is he was concerned with not only humanity, but he was concerned with all of creation having a day that was not under the stress of activity. Okay? So while we say, well, we keep the Sabbath. Well, you keep the Sabbath, but you're not getting any rest, and you're not keeping the Sabbath. Those who are charismatic and say they keep the Sabbath. But even if you don't, even if you don't subscribe, it's just a good principle that when you're going and going and going and working and working and moving and shaking and making things happen and paying bills and going to work and picking up kids and doing this and driving and Ubering and lifting and doing all of this, that at some point you owe it to yourself and God even manifested that you need to slow down and stop and take a break and be inactive. I think some of the reason why there are so many problems, be they psychological, physiological, or just playing down health problems, is because we live in a generation where people don't know how to stop. 
Some of the issues you may have in your life may be the result of not knowing when to stop. God, from the beginning of time, said he modeled inactivity. I'm not doing anything else. I'm resting, not because I'm tired, but I'm not being active. But he says, you rest because you need a day where you don't do anything. Get off the phone. Get off Facebook. Get off Instagram, stop Snapchatting, no duck lips taking pictures, just do nothing. Oh, y'all don't like what I said. Yeah, I don't like because y'all like duck lips. I get it. But not only did he do this, but later you find that God, in, with his people, he instituted that the Sabbath was not just for the person, but it was even for the land. Okay? Come with me now. Leviticus 25. Let's read the first verse. I like it. I like what I see you. I see you in that word. Get in that word. What does the Bible say? The Lord then said to Moses at Mount Sinai, saying, Said to Moses in Mount Sinai, what? Saying, What? Speak to the sons of Israel and Sp say to them. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them what? When you come into the land which I shall give you. When you come to the land that I shall give you. Then the land shall have a Sabbath to the Lord. The land shall have a Sabbath. In other words, that was an agricultural society where people lived off of the land. God says, when you get to the land of Canaan, I'm putting this in place so when you get there, you understand how to manage. The land should have a Sabbath. Now, what does that mean for the land to have a Sabbath? When you're a farmer and you work the land, then you cause the land to work for you. That's how it works. When a farmer farms and works the land, when he's finished working the land, then the land starts working for him. And it all happens under the soil. So God says to Moses to tell the children of Israel, when you come into the land of promise, you should make sure that the land has a Sabbath. Now there was the seven-day Sabbath. Now there's the seven-year Sabbath. Read what the text says. Follow. Six, six years you shall sow your field. Six years do your sowing. And six, six years, years do your pruning, and six years crop. do your harvesting and your gathering, but read. But during the seventh year, when the seventh year comes, the land shall have a Sabbath rest. Leave the land alone. A Sabbath to the Lord. Let the land rest. Now, now, that's important. That's important. We're going we're gonna to understand that. But they couldn't rest unless they let the land rest. Stop working the land. And let the land stop working. Every, say amen if you understand that. Let's move expeditiously. Read. Your harvest oh, after growth you shall not reap. Your harvest after growth you don't reap. And your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. Read. And the land shall have a sabbatical year. The land is going to get a break. A break where you're not planting seeds, where you're not pruning, where you're not harvesting. All right? Now here's the problem. They lived off the land. So quite naturally, if God says, work six years, but on the seventh year, don't work the land, what's the next issue you will naturally have if you lived off the land? Come on. This is the last sermon of the year. You can help me preach. What happens if you're living off the land and God says for a whole year, don't work the land, leave it alone. What's the concern? What's the natural concern when there's no Walmart or no Kroger or no Albertsons or no Aldi? No food. food, right? Now, I want you to look at chapter, verse 21 of this chapter. Mm. Watch this. We're going to learn stuff about God along the way. 
The Bible says in verse 21 of that same chapter, what? Start with verse 20, uh, actually. But if you say. But if you say. What are going to eat on the seventh day? What? Well, what are we going to eat on what? The seventh year. The seventh. That's what I thought. Seventh year. Read. If we do not sow or gather in our crops. You're telling us, God, leave the land alone on the seventh year. What we going to eat? Ain't no Walmart for miles. No, there was no Walmart. What are we going to eat? That's how we survive. If you say, what are we going to eat? How are we going to survive? Look at what God says. Ooh, watch God. Watch God. Read. Then I will order my, my blessings for you. In the I'm going to order my blessings for you, toward you. Read. In the sixth year. I'm going to bless the sixth year. That will bring forth the crop for three years. Watch this. If I know and I'm telling you to leave the seventh year alone, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you so much in the sixth year that you'll have enough to eat for years six, seven, and eight. Because whenever God gives a command, he gives a provision. Are you hearing me? Look at what the text says. Read. When you are sowing the eighth year. When you're sowing the eighth year. You can still eat old things from the crop. How many of you are still eating from 2017? <laughs> yeah, you don't get it. You lost your job. But you're still eating. You, 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 you've been through the muck and the mire, but you're still eating. When you trust God and you do what he says, you can eat from year six during year eight. So what God, what, what God, what God is saying. And I'm so glad because there have been times I've been eating, I've been eating from last year's blessing. Things I've sold last year, things I've done last year, God will use it to bless you for the years to come. And God said, just do what I say. Trust me. The reason why God put this in place is because he was testing them to trust him. He said, leave it alone. If that would have been some of us, we'd have been sneaking, planting little gardens. Well, he said the seventh year. A year is a long time, so honey, we're going to do an indoor greenhouse. God said, this is what I'm going to do. You do what I say, and you worried about what you're going to eat, I'm going to bless your six years so much that you won't even miss the seventh. Now, now, he says, do this on the seventh year. This was called the sabbatical year. Everybody say sabbatical year. Be educated, church. That means every seventh year. Right? Every seventh year. Now, I want you to drop down to verse number eight because there's something now that God puts in place. God likes sevens. Yeah. The, 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 seven, the number seven in biblical numerology meant perfection. It meant maturity. It meant totality. It meant it, something that was finished and complete. Right? Uh, Jesus said seven things on the cross before he died. You think that was an accident? The last thing he said of the seven is, it is finished. When Naaman, the leper, uh, it, during the time of the kings, had leprosy, uh, Elijah told him and came out and told him, go dip in the Jordan River. Don't ignore the number seven. And I'm not saying become hyper superstitious, but even in biblical numerology, the number seven meant something. And I said, well, somebody said this is the year 2019. See, you, you don't go by, you don't go necessarily by the actual number. You go by the completion. Well, it's 2020. It's not 2027. Yeah. But, but what's, been, what's going to be perfected next year? 
Because you can be in 2020 and enjoying your seven. You missed that. You missed that. You missed that. You missed that. Because seven means completion, totality, maturation. It means it's finished. Now watch this. The Bible says, verse number eight, read. You are also to count all seven Sabbath of years for yourselves. Now, not only the seventh year, but every seven years for seven years, count it off. You see that? Everybody look at it. It's right there. Read. Seven times seven years. Seven times seven years. So that you have the time of a seven Sabbath of years. Uh Uh-huh. Namely, 49 years. 49 years. Read. You shall then sound a ram's horn. Now, when you get to the 49th year, that's seven times seven, blow the horn. On the tenth day. Sound the ram's horn. Sound the trumpet. Do it on the day of atonement. Everybody say Day of Atonement. Don't worry, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. Read. On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement. You shall sound the horn all sound through your land. Sound the horn. Read. All through your land. All through the land. You shall thus consecrate the fiftieth year. The fiftieth year. And proclaim a release. The fiftieth year. There's going to be a release. See, the first, the seven years was a was a year of rest. The 49th year inaugurated the 50th year, which would be the year of release. Because the land needed to rest. But then there were some people that needed to be released. He says what? Read. Through all the land to its inhabitants. Uh Uh-huh. It shall be a jubilee It shall be a jubilee. So how many of you have heard the term jubilee before? Right? This is, this is where it comes from. And how many of you, see, here's the, the other thing about seven. You think Uncle Sam came up with after seven years, your things fall off of your credit? You think that came from the, did you think that came from the government? You think that came from the United States government? Long before the government, God had some, something to say about seven. But he even had something more to say about seven years times seven. Then on the 50, on the 49th year, what they would do is they would blow the trumpet. Now watch this. They had to do it on the day of atonement. The day of the atonement was the day when a lamb or a ram carried the sins of the nation away. When they blew the horn, it meant that everyone was released. If you owed somebody on the year of Jubilee, you owed nothing. If you were a slave to somebody on the year of Jubilee, you were set free. If someone was, uh, if you were indebted to somebody because of a deal or because you obligated yourself in the, in the fourth, 50th year when the ram horn blew, you were released. It was the jubilee. God pressed the reset button on Israel's economy. He pressed the reset button on Israel's society. He pressed the reset button on Israel's industrialism. God says in year 50, when that horn blows in 49, that's a proclamation. Now, How did you end up a slave in that time? Okay, there was slavery. They just got out of slavery. 
how did they end up a slave? This is how, there, there are two ways you can be a slave. You can be a slave by oppression. I just said that, right? Oppression is when somebody takes you, you know, beyond your will and says, you're going, you mine. Okay? That's how some of you got married. It, it's when, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> takes you beyond your will and says, you mine, right? Chains, fetters. The other slavery is the slavery of obligation. Okay? It, it's, it's, it's what we see in verse 47 of Levit Leviticus 25, right? Go there. Well, go there. Real life, go there. So I said, I want to know about my life. See, the, the problem is we, when you disassociate the application from the text, you turn the preaching of the word into self-help. That's why I'm not just going to say, you're going to be all right. This is your year. Won't he do it? That's good. But you be educated so that you see this thing didn't come from motivational speaking. It comes from the very will of God. It comes from the very word of God. It's not something that you just feel. The problem is some of us have, have gotten, we got God in our heart, but we don't understand him in our head. So we live emotionally. We come to church emotionally. And we look for an emotional jolt. The problem is emotion is short-lived and it's up and down like a roller coaster. And when the emotion is down, you need to reach somewhere into your intellect, what you know about God, and pull stuff from what you know into how you feel so that you can boost how you feel with what you know. So that you don't have to drink water from the outside in. All you're doing is there's a river of living water springing up inside of you so whenever you're down, just swallow Look at what the Bible says. Read. Now, now, if this means a stranger or of a soldier, would you become sufficient and a countryman? So he says, now, if somebody in your land becomes rich and one of you becomes poor, what? To a stranger who is with you Read. or to the descendants of a stranger's family. Uh-huh. Then he shall have the redemption right after he has been sold. So watch this. What they would do in that time, everybody follow. If you, if there was a rich stranger, foreigner, to Israel, and you were poor, sometimes what they would do is they would sell themselves to the rich person. You know, this is the same spot in there every Sunday. They would sell themselves to the rich person. In other words, I'm, you know, I'd rather be a slave and taken care of than free and broke. That's what they would do. And you know, it's funny, we laugh at that ancient culture. But if you got a sugar daddy, oh man, I'm messing up now. I know I should have just kept it theological and syntactical and hermeneutical, right? That we sell ourselves all the time. We, we sell ourselves making partnerships that we know we're not really into. Okay, y'all all right? So they would sell themselves. Now, here's what the text says, and I'm going to expedite it because I wanna, it's time to start descending, right? Here's what the text says. The text says what they would do is, is your brother can come and buy you back. Your brother can come and buy you back. That means you were so poor and, uh, and, uh, and Arthur Carr was so rich 
And off the car is a, is a foreigner. So what I do is I say, yeah, look, I'm selling myself. I'm yours. I'm here. Use me. And you had an obligation now to take care of me because now, watch this, I was your property. So what can happen is my brother, Mr. Gay, can come along and shelve out some money and buy me out of that slavery. Now, what if Brother Gay didn't have any money? What if I had seven brothers and none of them had money? I had to depend on the blowing of the horn. Look at verse 54. Oh, y'all starting to see it, right? It's, I'm clearing it. I'm coming for you. Just be educated. Yeah? If, especially if you don't read the Bible during the week, you definitely need to take advantage of this time since the next time you'll read it will be the next time you go to church. Okay? If you don't read any Bible and you know who you are, be honest, it's okay. People get busy. People, you know, you grow into that. You're not there yet. Then you really need to listen. This is Bible study. Read. What does the Bible say in verse 54? Even if he is not redeemed by these means, even if nobody comes and buys him, read. He should still go out in the year of Jubilee. When that horn blows. <laughs> See, even if nobody buys me, even if I'm stuck in an ob obligatory self-obligation situation that I can't get out of and nobody can get me out of it. And if I'm stuck there, I, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's over. It's not all lost. What I'm now waiting for patiently is when God's time comes when the ram horns blow. I'm waiting for the year of Jubilee. Because when that ram blows, that horn blows, you got to let me go. You got to let me go. When God says it's time, you don't owe me anymore. D depression, you've been having me for the last three years. But there's a jubilee coming. And when God says it's time, depression, you got to let me go. Anxiety, you've been having me, you've been having, having my family, you've been having my lineage. Let me tell you something, I'm waiting for my jubilee. Because when God says it's time, it doesn't matter how strong a grip you got on me, you have to let me go. You've been having my kids, and you've been all in my kids, and you've been messing with my kids, and I don't even recognize them, but I'm waiting for jubilee. And when the ram horns blow, you got to let me go. I get a remake. I get a do-over. I get it. Oh, my God. How many of you want a do-over on some things you've done and decisions you've made in your life? Well, God has a time for the Jubilee. And whenever he says it's time, something has to let you go. Well, so this was the law, right? This was what God put in place. Because there were poor people who didn't have good news. They didn't go to work. They worked for a master. So it wasn't like, I'm going to take two days off. They weren't employees. They were property. They were brokenhearted. Because here they are, bound without a chain. Here they are, stuck, locked up without a cell. They were brokenhearted. They were captives in their own land. Why? Because I fell into a situation that I couldn't get out of. And so I had to, I had to obligate myself to you 
so that I can be protected from my own situation. I had to obligate myself to this situation. How many of us have gotten into situations to get out of other situations? I wish I had a church that was hearing me today. I wish there were some honest people that will admit that sometimes the situation you're in now was an attempt to get out of another situation. And you got out of that situation, but now you're in bondage to this one. Sometimes that situation is a relationship. Hello? They were brokenhearted. They were captive. They, they, they didn't have, they couldn't really see their way because, because the problem was they were being led by what had them captive, as you always will. So they were waiting for the year that God's favor would be revealed, and that was the year of, the year of, now let's go to Luke chapter 4. I know, uh, you know, New Year's Eve, we'll hoop, holler, spit on, I'll spit on you, Steve. I'll raise my leg. I'll say, what are you doing? Yes, he will. But we're going to learn this last, this last, this last Sunday, right? So Luke 4, verse 17, says what? And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Jesus, this is Jesus now in his earthly ministry. He gets the book of the prophet Isaiah. He's reading from Isaiah 61. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. What does Isaiah 61? Look at the language. Pay attention to the language. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, uh, in, in Luke chapter 4, what? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed me to give good news to people who are poor. Hmm, What? Where did we see poor? Where did we just see poor? And why would poor be? And not because they don't have anything. What would make them? What would right. make them long for good news? Because when you're poor, sometimes you obligate yourself to right. things. See, 2020 is ought to be the year where some of y'all get out of so much debt. Work done. <laughs> some of us, right? Read. Watch this. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive. Release. Look at the language of this. Release to the captive, read. And recovery of sight to the blind. Recovery of sight to the blind, read. To set free those who are set, downtrodden. What kind of language is this? To set free those that are what? Downtrodden. Downtrodden. And watch this. To proclaim the favorable year of the Wait, Lord. the favorable day? What year could Jesus possibly be talking about? He says to preach the year of favor to those who are what? To those who are to the poor. Uh-huh. He has sent me to proclaim release to read, the captive. Read. And recover of sight to the blind. Read. To set those who are downtrodden to proclaim favorable. And to preach the, the favorable year of the Lord. Now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look what Jesus does next. He closes the book. And he closed the book. Look what he does. And gave it back to the attendant. He closes the book and he gives it back to the attendant. Now watch what he says. And sat down. He sat down. Look the, at what he says. And the eyes of all. After the everybody was looking at him. Were fixed upon him. He says what? 
And he began to say to them, today. See, here's the thing. You're familiar with the year of Jubilee. You, you, you are affiliated with waiting for a year to change your life. You have history in yearning for the next year to come that would change your situation around. And you called it, it's Jubilee. You are affiliated waiting for the ram's horn. But he closed the book. He sat down and look at what he said. Today, today, this scripture, this scripture has been fulfilled. Has been fulfilled. In your hearing, that wasn't the 49th or the 50th year, people. Jesus was saying, while you're waiting for a year to change your life and you're waiting for the year to come that everything will be better for you, you're waiting for the year to change so that you can have a jubilee. What Jesus is saying is stop waiting for the year. I am the jubilee. I'm going to be the one to turn it around. I'm going to be the one to set you free. I'm going to be the one to fix your situation. Depression is going to have to let you go because of me. Anxiety is going to have to let you go because of me. Your kids are going to be set free because of me. Stop waiting for 2020. Get with the man who is the man of Jubilee. Some of you are waiting. And Jesus is saying, you ain't got to wait till the year turn. Don't wait for a time. I'm here. Today is this fulfilled in your hearing. Well, what are we in bondage to? Huh? Well, first thing is first. You can plan all you want to for 2020. But if you're still in your sins, you go into a new year with an old slave master. Romans 7, 14. And I'm just about done. Pinky has my Bible. No, 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 I don't want it now. Romans 7, 14. Read it quickly. For we know that the Lord is spiritual. The law is spiritual, but I'm what? But I'm a flesh. I'm a flesh. Sold into bondage to Watch sin. It. Sold to bondage of sin. Now, this is, this is where I need to talk to your hearts as we close this. It's a weird thing that more Christians, more and more Christians want to be out of economic debt than they want to be out of sin. Here's the problem. If sin is the root of your problem, then you can't just cut down the tree. Huh. Wow. Uh, you missed that. You missed that. If sin is the root of your problem, then cutting down the tree of debt and the tree of this and the tree of addiction and the tree of that is not going to do you any good. You got to uproot. What the problem is. This is a strange generation that wants to conveniently cling to their sin and cling to God at the same time. You know, 
you don't get to belong to two masters. No man can serve two masters. Now, I'm going to show you. I'm, let me hear the smoke screen of the devil. The devil will finagle his way, finagle his way into your logic, and you will start justifying and saying that the reason for everything you're going through has to do with everything but the sin you won't let go. I mean, you'll say, well, that's, that, that's like that because, you know, I got this problem because my dad was like that, my granddad was like that. I got this problem because I just don't make enough money. Oh, I got this problem, this problem because, you know, people, people are always against me. So watch, watch what the devil does. He does this so that somehow you never see his hand in your mix. Because you're blaming everything on everybody else. See, the, the ram's horn didn't blow until the seventh day or the seventh month and the tenth day. That day was the day of atonement. Which means that the ram's horn that said everybody is free was associated with the ram being sent into the wilderness with the sin of the people. Which means you will never be free in your sin. You cannot blow the horn if it's not the day of atonement. God doesn't separate the horn from the day of atonement. Which means God said, blow the horn on the day when the sins of the people are taken away on the 49th year. That horn blowing says that you are released. But it does not say you are released without your sins being released. You cannot drag the thing that's sapping the life out of you into the goals and your visions and your aspirations of 2020 and wonder why you're in the same situation three months into the new year. There has to be a releasing of the sin that so easily besets you. Hello? This is a heart to heart. This is not popular preaching. Popular preaching allows you to be comfortable the way you are and then preaches a theology that says God is okay just the way you are. No, he loves you the way you are, but he refuses you to leave you that way. He refuses to leave you that way. And so, so you had this, this bondage, this bondage of sin. Now, here's the problem. If you look at the bondage that Paul was talking about, you know what Paul goes on to say? He said, the things I want to do, the things I should do, I don't do those things. Watch this. It sounds like us, right? Say amen when it hits your street. The good things I know I should do, those are the things I don't do. Oh, you're not hollering yet? The bad things that I really know are not are bad. As a matter of fact, I don't even like how they look in other people. I do those things. Oh, no, I'm not on your street then. What about this? When I want to do the right thing, evil is always present. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hump when I get to your when it, hump when I'm on your street, right? I, let me let me make it let me make it less uh, less fire and brimstone because this is not really fire and brimstone. Uh, but uh, anybody ever tried diet? 
Yeah, I got jokes. Anybody ever try a diet? It seemed like, well, let me talk for me, right? It seemed like just when I try, and I say, I'm going to go, this is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose 20 pounds in three days. <laughs> I start buying salads, right? I buy those already packaged salads that you can get at Kroger for $3.49 or sometimes $2.99 if it's two days away from expiration. I buy power greens. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Power greens, power greens, power greens, power greens, power greens. Right? Spinach, super green kale. Huh? Then I start buying exotic greens, like things I don't usually eat. Arugula. Is it arugula? Arugula. Touch of arugula. Just a little bit of this. Then all of a sudden, everybody else in the house want a little KFC. <laughs> when I would do good. Yeah. Somebody ought to say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Now, that's just with food. But how many times do you say, I'm going to live for God? How many New Year's Eves have you said, I'm going into this New Year's Eve and I'm letting it go? This is my jubilee. You got to let me go. Anxiety, you got to let me go. Bad relationships, you got to let me go. You can't keep me because the horn is blown and you get to the third month. And when you would do good, evil is always present. Paul concluded by saying, I find then that there's a law. When I do or do good, evil is always present. But he says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Let me help you understand why it's so hard. Because you're in a body that wants things you shouldn't want. Is, is there a witness in the house? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help. Let me, let me help you. That's why it's so hard. Right? That's why, that's why you know, you say, you know what? I'm done smoking weed and getting drunk. Okay? And I'll be real, right? I'm done running around. I'm getting rid of all the numbers in my phone that enable me to do what I shouldn't even be doing. See, what you're going to do right now is everybody trying to look. I'm not going to say amen to that. That's, what is he talking about? That's all right. Y'all are real people. We are real people, right? Oh, what I'm going to do, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to go to the gym anymore. I'm going to walk around the block. Oh, y'all not, not feeling me. Y'all not feeling me. I'm not even going to hang with that group anymore. I'm not hanging with that group anymore. I'm not, all the promises we make, all of that. So this, this, is, this, is, this is why you can't do it. Because your mind, he says, with the mind, I... I I admit that God's law is right. My mind. See, see, sometimes the problem is not your mind. Sometimes it's your body. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, you don't get it? Yes, sir. Now, inmate number one, two, two, three, four, R. Kelly had a song. No, he's not an inmate yet. He says, my mind's telling me no. See, some of y'all too sophisticated to hear this kind of preaching. I'm allergic to sophisticated people because they ain't real. 
They ain't real. That's why you're so shocked when you follow them beyond the church building and find out more, there's more to them than being a statue in a museum. But my body, long before R. Kelly sang that, Paul said, in my mind, I agree with the law. But it's what I want in my flesh. He says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He says, but thanks be to God who has given us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why when Jesus came, his mind and body had to be obedient because God, guess what? We couldn't depend on ourselves to be pleasing to God. So now, watch this. Now, because he's the only one qualified to not only be the horn, but be the one that blows the horn. Not only be the horn and the one that blows the horn, but the goat that takes the sin of the people into the wilderness. The Old Testament is all about Jesus. Not only is he the one to proclaim that there's release, he's the actual release that we have. And so what we do is we hide behind the success of Jesus in his body and in his flesh so that, what? watch this, the unrighteousness of us was put on him. And the righteousness of him was placed on us. This year coming, it, it's not the year of Jubilee. You need to get back with the Jubilee Savior. Okay? Stop waiting. Because what you do when you wait, I'm going to tell you what you do with you. you what, sometimes when you, what you do with your wait, when you wait is you do what people do who subscribe to Catholicism, yeah. what they do on Fat Tuesday. Yeah. That's right, okay, you may not know what that is. Thank God if you don't know what it is. You know, Fat, fat Tuesday. See, they, they believe that Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Right. It's the holy day. So what they do is they use the idea that Wednesday is the, is the day I'm supposed to change and be right to party like animals on Tuesday. I did not know that. Now, I saw some, you, stop posting pictures in New Orleans on Fat Tuesday then getting up in here and acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. Talking about yeah, yeah, that's right. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. That's right. Oh, oh. Yeah. I want to minister to real people. Because God is not going to judge the person sitting in the pew. Right. He's not just, he's not going to come here on a Sunday and say, let me see. Well, you sat well. You looked holy. Enter into my gates. No, no. He's going to judge the you who you are. And that's where he wants change. That's where, that's where the release has to be. That's where it has to be. All right? And it can't be, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to party this year because when I'm next year. No, no. Jesus says, I'm here right now. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And don't worry about what's had you last year. Stop talking about it. This person hurt me last year. Stop talking about it. Why are you still talking about it? Well, this year, this and that and the other, and I'm going to make, make sure I'm going to get nobody else to get close to me, and I'm not going to lend out no more money, and this and that and that. You sound pitiful. Stop it. 
Stop it. The problem with that was you. The problem with that was you. You keep your expectations so high of people that when they let you down, God has to show you, now, now you ready to get back with me? That person is as flawed as you are. So stop rehearsing that and understand that Jesus is here and he's blowing the horn and he's saying it's time for you to be released. One of these days, there's going to be another horn blown, a final release. When those who die in Christ are submerged beneath the earth, when that trumpet sounds, the earth is going to have to release them. I don't care what the worms did to them under the ground. The Bible says when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are going to get up out of the grave and death is going to have to let them go because it's the jubilee. And those of us who are alive and remain will together with them be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Anything down here is going to have to release us and forever will be in the presence of the jubilee. If you're here, and you are here, but I believe there's somebody who heard what the Savior said. You heard what God said to you. You want a new year, you got new goals, but you've obligated yourself to some things, and you've put yourself into slavery. Your insecurities have you enslaved. You can't make any friends because you don't trust anybody because everybody makes you insecure. If everybody's the problem, then it's not everybody that that's the problem. Are y'all hearing me? If everybody's the problem, then it's not everybody that's the problem. The insecurities can be released, can, will have to release you once you understand who you are in Jesus. Maybe there's something that's every time you start elevating in your life, that thing, that thing, that thing brings you back into bondage. Jesus says, he's blowing the horn right now. This is your jubilee. Don't stay in bondage when he's releasing you out of it. Stand to your